and welcome back to the Talking Walls podcast. I'm your host, Matt Cooper, and today I'm joined alongside Dave as a party. Dave, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, mate. Very well, thank you for asking. Yeah, all good. Didn't know what I was That's good. What, it's like, <laughs> what are you drinking there, mate? It seems to be going to your head a little bit. Oh, mate, it's a Foster's, mate. So I'll oh, be, be a lot of people no. coming to that. I don't, I don't dislike That's it. That's all we got time for this week, folks. So please. <laughs> <laughs> It's not too bad. That's why that's why I poured it in a glass rather than drinking from the can. Pepsi bottle, like, Coca Cola glass. Coca-Cola glass. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they're fosters tonight. Have you bought that or was it already in the house? It was from Christmas. I think he just bought loads of crates of different beer, and he's funnily enough one of the last beers left in the fridge. So, oh, yeah. can't imagine why. Can't imagine why. <laughs> but we're not alone, are we, Dave? We're joined by Finn. Finn, how are you, mate? I'm right, thank you, mate. Glad to have a, a sober host back. So yeah, yeah, looking forward to this one. <laughs> <laughs> Your, your internet's on the blink a little bit, isn't it? So we might we might be crossing live to Finners at, at one point with my finger in my ear. <laughs> um, we normally get a bit of a delay, and you you may uh, see that there's only three of us this week. George actually can't can't make the podcast. Uh, should we tell the listeners why? Or should I mean, we, should we he's, tell do, them? he's doing his he's doing his partner duties, isn't he? He is. His girlfriend, fiance, is. Uh, yeah, fiance, isn't it? I think fiance, yeah, fiance Knowles. Yeah, she's yeah. uh, they've actually gone to see Mama Mia in theatre, so he said he couldn't, uh, he couldn't see, he couldn't do the podcast. Which I don't know about you, boys, I think it's a bit of a flimsy excuse. Yeah. I don't know, it's probably a good know. job. He's going to watch Mama Mia rather than discuss the Man City game, to be fair. So, yeah, probably enjoy that a bit more. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, no, George this week, he's had a, a well, um, well earned week, weekend, week off. I think his missus wants a bit of time back with him as well, bless. So, yeah, no George, but doesn't matter, boys. We'll crack on. Um, it's not as positive as last week's podcast, though, is it? It's been a, been a bit of a, I don't know, same old, same old Wolves of last week. We'll be looking back at the Liverpool Wolves game, the Man City game. Um, no games to preview, actually, because we haven't got a game for two weeks, which makes the loss even a bit, a bit more frustrating, because I know that both fans, players and staff, We'll be shooting on it a little bit. And then, of course, we'll be taking some of your questions at the end of the show. But let's start with the Liverpool game, Dave, which feels like an eternity ago. Looking at that Liverpool side that, that was put out, do you think it could be an opportunity missed? I, th- I think so. I think, you know, the way after we beat in West Ham, and I think we looked at that t- game and, and looked at the Liverpool team and thought, you know what, we could give give these a good go. Um, you know, there's, still, there's still some quality players in there for Liverpool, but I think with the strength that we went... Um, we could have really, you know, taken it further, and it was a it was a fairly close game. But obviously, just walls being the same old walls and not threatening the goalkeeper enough. Um, so yeah, disappointed. But yeah, the, the po- small positive from it now is, you know, obviously we're out of the Carabao Cup, we're out of the FA Cup. We could just put all our focus on the Premier League now. Yeah, and and Finn, um, you obviously working in and around Molyneux. What kind of videos were you watching before the game in that in that little um, little box that the match today were in? <laughs> what category have you gone for? <laughs> I thought this because obviously it's the room we um we filmed the podcast in, wasn't it? At the end of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, so I thought, yeah. God, Tim Spears has left his phone hanging around. But um, <laughs> but but no, yeah. I suppose. I mean, I didn't see any any breaches of security um within the day when I was there. So yeah, I mean, fair play to the guy. I watched a little video. It was very funny. But I wasn't actually at the game. I, I was there in the day, and then um I'd actually double booked myself at the cinema. Um, so I've seen the highlights. I uh, went to watch the new uh, Jared Butler film, and it wasn't great. But then I came out, and my parents said I didn't miss much with the uh, with the Wolves game either. So two uh, mediocre viewing options really for the night. 
Um, but I saw the first like 10 minutes. So I saw obviously the BBC thing and I saw the lights go out. So I think I saw pretty much the highlights of the game. Um, but yeah, it didn't sound great. I think Dave was the only one out of the four of us who went. So I watched it at home. I, I did have tickets when I gave them to my parents. So I felt I felt so under the weather. And Dave, how, how cold is it at Molyneux? Was it freezing? It, it was cold, to be fair. Yeah, I had the old castor gear on, so, you know, pretty well geared up. Of course he does. Nah, be, I don't know. You're pretty I, geared I, up. Yeah. <laughs> and you're wearing your castor. about, you know, th- those big castor coats, mate, you're laughing. It's just like an extra pair of, I don't know, skin across your body. And I never an feel too membrane. cold in those. Yeah, no, it was it was it was all right. I, I know when uh, the ticket prices came out, I was all in an hour about going. I thought I've got to go. Obviously, it's home game, but I know a lot of people didn't. Um, whether that was because of how we've been playing, whether because of the fast of the first game, but some people thought twenty quid was a good price. I didn't mind it, but I know a couple of people that said they weren't going to go because they couldn't be asked to spend twenty quid again, um, especially when it was on the on the TV. So yeah, I braved it, but yeah, disappointed obviously with the overall performance. I think a lot of people that had bought tickets and they got to the day very much my position. And I think a lot of people were driven by the weather because I think that's when the cold had properly started to set in. And my timeline was a wash with two tickets available, don't want any money for them. Yeah. Um, which 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 I prefer them than obviously not going. That's why I gave mine to, to my parents. But Dave, that you're such a obviously strange build to the game. I was I was messaging you about what had happened in the BBC studio, couldn't believe it. And then two or three minutes into the game, I think, or it may have even been a bit shorter. Adama Traore gets gets to the bar line, puts an unbelievable cross into the box, and the lights go off at Molyneux. Now, I don't know if you've seen the footage of it um, that someone filmed from the game, but it basically puts it on a plate for eight and all. It's just that look, isn't it? Yeah, I think it was. It was about 60 to 90 seconds in off the top of my head, and it was a really good start. I know it was only the, the opening few moments of the game, but we started off really brightly, and that was clearly the plan early doors, try and get it to Adama and, and see what you could do, run it, run it against this, you know, sort of inexperienced Liverpool back line. And it was a half-decent ball in. But it, the, the issue was there was actually power cuts all across the Wolverhampton City uh, before the game. So I don't know if that was, you know, that that's why that had happened. But even, um, I know people that are familiar with uh, the town centre, like the pubs, like the main road where the art galleries and stuff, no street lights or anything. It was just pitch black. It was proper weird. Uh, and then when that happened in, I thought, oh, my God, we're going to have this all throughout the night, aren't we? We were like little power cuts and so on. But, yeah, it's frustrating because I do I do wonder if the lights have stayed on. Ain't Nori's got his full vision on the ball. If, if he puts that on target, it maybe even gives us an early lead. Yeah, and uh, VAR was actually off for about 20 to 25 minutes as well because yeah. they couldn't get the power to the trucks outside. So... Knowing our luck, we'd have had seven penalty shouts and none of them have been, been yeah. looked at. There's, there's a thing as well that a, pe- a lot of people moaning that Liverpool got possession back as well. But what yeah, that, they the shouldn't referee, have, I don't think. The, the, no, what the referee did, he, he gave the ball back to Keller and he kicked it back to Wolves. But obviously, he kicked it all the way back to, I think, Jose Sara, one of our centre halves, got it. So he didn't, he, we did get possession back, but obviously not in the position where we originally had it. Yeah, which again, it, it, it's fair enough. But Bit of a, a bit of a, a, a strange kind of performance because I felt like at, at times we think we may have uh, we started to look like we were going to gain like get an attack and then it would just like it would just break down and I feel like we only started playing the last ten or fifteen minutes. But let's talk about the Liverpool goal. I think Neves was the player who got caught out of possession and Liverpool broke and you know Harvey Elliott's broke with purpose. Um, you could argue that maybe Johnny or or perhaps not Totti because there was a player, I think, uh, I can't remember who the centre forward was playing at the time. Mm-hmm. Nunes, I'm not sure, was running through. So we had to cover that run. But 
what what is Jose Sardo for that goal? Yeah, the defending was very um Roger Johnson like when he used to do the back off, back off, back off, so Elliot could gain all those yards. But the actual goalkeeping, yeah, I mean I think the best way to describe it legit is pro clubs goalkeeping. That's your mate that's just oh, yeah. gone in for one game. That's and it, the it's like, what yeah. on earth? Why are you stood there? Um, keeping. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. So, yeah, it's, that was, that was yeah, he's normally a striker on pro, pro clubs. You're coasting to promotion or whatever. And he's gone for a gaming goal. But Wolves really aren't coasting for promotion. So, we can't afford them. Um, well, we can't get promoted. You know what I mean? Um, yeah going for for winning the cup so yeah it was really really strange obviously i've seen the the highlights of that and i've never really rated harley elliott harvey elliott so it um annoyed me that he scored the goal as well because people are saying what a goal when really it should be um should be catching practice but yeah i, I don't know what he's doing i think that's a the theme of today's podcast is going to be what was Saar doing and yeah that's the first instance mm, yeah dave what, what were your thoughts on it I, I, do you feel that from where he struck the ball you you may you may encourage players to have a dig from there because what was it like over 30 yards? Or you may say, like, perhaps that's why they haven't closed him down, like, have a pop because Sars yeah, but I don't, a good uh, shot stopper. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't think it was struck with real any accuracy or venom either. It wasn't oh, like a crap it was a normal, but Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like he got a decent amount of power on it, but not enough that it should be testing the goalkeeper. At the very least, your keeper's got to be parrying it over the bar or whatever. But to get beaten from there is really, really disappointing. I think you said, Matt, he just didn't. He was sort of backpedalling. He didn't get his legs sorted out. Just had no balance about him whatsoever. And, you know, it's disappointing because other than that, and, and I, I suppose Liverpool, if they hadn't have scored there, would have had to probably get into second or third gear a lot earlier. But after that goal, they didn't look any better than Wolves. And that's what was frustrating, really, because I thought we were in the game for, for most of the match. Although we didn't play well, you know, we were still in the game. I don't want to go all like goalkeeper on you, but he's, it's, his, it's, his, it's his set position. So it's when... When when you're playing goal and you anticipate a shot, there's almost it's called a set position and you set, and it's almost you're almost like spring loaded, ready to anticipate where it's going left, right, above. We got to go down low, but like you said, Dave is still travelling and he hasn't got his set position, and he's maybe he has a sip of them Fosters, um, um, and he and he's still on the move and he's he's died backwards, hasn't he? Because he hasn't been able to, to spring, but mm. it's such a shit sloppy goal to concede, and uh, you know Neves giving the ball around the middle of the park. Perhaps you could point some of the blame at him. Put some blame at the defenders, but Finn, I think the book stops at Sar for that, if I'm totally honest. Yeah, 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 definitely. I'd, as I said, it's probably should just be catching practice normally. Um, and Dave's right with the, but like, it's one of the first things I saw about the game was the um, the XG philosophies tweet with Liverpool's 0.15, I think it was, and we were 1.4 mm. odd. So that's really the only sniff we gave them. Um, and yeah, it's annoying that it's gone like that. And it is annoying that we've gone out with such a whimper when you'd thought. The game, like on the back of the sort of narrative that we should be through, let's go and do them now, and and we sort of, sort of fly to deceive. But as we've as that that stat proves, we've had the chances. Um, and again, a theme for the season that we can't put them away. I mean, no like clear cut chances, but by stats, we've had, should have at least scored a goal. But football hmm. isn't played on paper. But the the, the, the defense was struggling to play it from the back as well, and in particular, Sar again, Dave. I know we're probably going to come on to it more so with the, the Man City game, but shadowing. It's yeah, it's 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 been a problem, hasn't it? It's been a problem the last few weeks. And someone said to me on Twitter, "Well, Sars doing exactly what Lapetegi wants him to do. He's not. He's trying to do what he wants him to do, but he can't do it. But I don't, I don't think that he can't play out from the back. It's just he cannot sense any danger. 
and he's so hesitant on the ball. Because sometimes he can play just the ball out left or right, and that's all it needs. But it's almost like he's he's got every 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 moment in the world to just stroll out, take another touch. And how many times we've seen a player nearly take it off his toe? It's mm. beyond me. I, and I think I, I sort of I said this yesterday. I think on the review, I think you've got to look at it two ways. You either think you've either got to look at if you if this is how Lopetegui wants to play long term, you're going to have to replace the goalkeeper or or Lopetegui adjusts the way he plays. Where I think you can still play out from the back without relying heavily too much on your goalkeeper. But I think you're right. He's just a little bit too hesitant hesitant on the ball, but. Even when Bruno Large wanted to play this certain way early part of the season, I can't remember too many times where Sarah's, you know, scuffed it out of play or sliced it out of play. But just since the new year, really, I think shot stopping wise, he's been a little bit better. But when he's on the ball, it's like horrific. The one at Villa when he had it on his left foot and it somehow went out for a corner. He did the same against the Liverpool again uh, during the week. Um, obviously, the the goal which was disappointing, but. Um, and, and I know I've seen people moan on social media, you know, you need to try not to get on the backs of players when they're trying to play it out of the back. But sometimes when he's on the ball and he's so hesitant, you almost can't help but groan and moan about it. Um, and obviously the City one, which will come on too. So yeah. I think it's definitely something that needs looking at. Do you go and try and find a goalkeeper that is two-footed or do you have to adjust the way you play so, you know, you're not relying too much on goalkeeper distribution? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll come on to the City game in more detail, but you see what happens when we lump it forward. We, we couldn't hold our own piss. Like, it does, it just doesn't stick, does it? So, why would you... What, do you have a wicked trade-off where, OK, you, you lose the ball, but further up the pitch, or you risk losing it in a dangerous area? But there's Premier League footballers, Dave. That, this, that shouldn't be that shouldn't be a, the, the wicked trade-off. I know, I know, but it's... I don't know. I think there's a balance of of both of them, but just the way I still don't think we balanced enough as a squad. And, and, and I agree. We'll probably talk about it a little bit more with the City game, but I, I see it so often where, say, Hugo Bueno or whoever's got the ball, I just don't think there's enough support for him whatsoever. He's always having to go back to Kilman. And I just think with the three midfielders that we've got, someone's got to come and help in, and, and create some sort of triangle there. But it's never, we just seem too stretched as a team. Um, and I'm just hoping that that's something that can get sorted out sooner rather than later. But um, you got to play, yeah. You want to play out of the back, but I think you need more, you know, more support from the midfielders because I just don't think that's there enough at the minute. I I look at us when we're playing. I feel like we're playing on the world's biggest football pitch constantly. It looks <laughs> there's it looks so like so many gaps, and it looks like the opposition's got like two or three more players. But you talk about the balance in the squad there, Dave. He switched to a backfire for about 15, 20 minutes um, during the game. And that made us look even worse, which is what we've said all season. Again, at 1-0 down, why? What's the, It was the same against Forest. I know we started the Forest game with that. But when you go 1-0 down, with the personnel he had on the pitch against Forest as well, I said this on the, on the other podcast, he should have switched quicker to a four at the back. And... I know we didn't concede. Defensively, we probably looked a little bit better, but it really restricted us in terms of how we were attacking Liverpool. And the thing is, it wasn't like we were playing a 5-3-2 because Adama never came central. He still played as a right winger. So it was basically like we were playing a formation without a left winger, i.e. without a pacey player running at James Milner, who's in his late 30s. So I don't I don't mind him exp- if he wants to experiment because I know he's not really had a pre-season. I don't mind him experiment, experimenting in the cup games. 
But I still just felt it was a pointless exercise when we're chasing the game and, you know, you need forward players and, and we struggle for goals as it is. There's no point trying to restrict Liverpool. Um, so, yeah, I was thankful that we went back to the back four second half, although obviously mm -hmm. it didn't work. Second half, you know, I thought we'd come on a little bit stronger. Um, it it brought, I think it's telling that one of his first changes was Samedo, who has come in for, I think it's fair to say, a lot of criticism since he made the switch from Barcelona to Wolverhampton. But it seems that maybe the past two or three games, maybe discounting the City game, I don't think he played that badly, <laughs> he's, he's actually looked fairly solid, dare I say. I don't want to touch wood on this because I know what he's like. But <laughs> Yeah, uh, sorry, that might have been a slight um, Chris Kamara there. Um, but no, no, yeah, no, no the West, <laughs> especially the West Ham game. Um, I thought he was superb, as we said, probably his best game in a Wolf shirt. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Lemberkees didn't have a great 45 from what I could see as well. And there was a little bit of an improvement in the second half there with him, um, with Samedo. So, yeah, I mean, I think we discussed in the group chat as well now, he has got that licence to go forward. I mean, he did have that in the five as well, but I don't think he ever knew whether he was coming or going in the five. And he was sort of effective maybe with his, his dribbling skills for a right back in that sort of middle area of the pitch, but defensively and, and offensively in the five. Yeah, as you say, since he's come in, didn't look great. So maybe we are starting to see a better Samedo. I think the coolest head, especially when we're coming to the sort of playing out from the backside of things, I think Bueno, despite being the youngest, is probably... <laughs> The, the coolest head back there. So they always seem to panic, chuck one out to him and see what he can do with it or launch it out for a throw-in. So it is strange. I think, yeah, this is the Samedo. Maybe slightly, still not the fee that we paid. He's not probably not worth that, but we're seeing improvements. And obviously Wolves wanted a right back at the start of the uh, the window and that seems to have cooled. So it's only testament to, to his performances recently, I suppose. Unless, unless Hoover comes back, I suppose. It looks like he's going to be back, but I don't think he'll be, he'll be playing much. I think what you said there about Bueno is is, is right, and I, and I think it's maybe something to do with what Dave previously alluded to, that I think Bueno's previous position, because I think we'll sign him as a number 10. Dave, you said yeah. before, he's he's on the ball, he's, he's pretty good, and that probably helps him when he's been with his press resistance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's When the club signed him from Spain, that's what his main position was, and for one reason or another, played, obviously started as a left wing back. So, yeah, on the ball, he is good. And at times, he has a really decent cross on him as well. Um, mm. Although, I just don't think he seems to be picking up those positions to be doing that at the minute. But, yeah, I think uh, that definitely helps. Got no one to aim it at either, which is a bit of a... Yeah, bit exactly. Of a <laughs> Almost got a bit of the Stephen Ward start off as a striker. Work your way, yeah. work your way down the team. Well, maybe we'll run out of attacking players sooner or later at Anfield and, and get Hugo when it was a number ten and <laughs> score the winning goal. Oh, that we'll be, we'll be putting a pair of Zondikos on his side, yeah. pissing around at the back. So, <laughs> the say, but yeah, disappointing way to go out of the cup. But you know, the the, the big one was 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 the Man City game. Um, Dave, I don't think that you expected Finney, you expected a result, um, but. Do you think that Lapataga got the selection wrong from the from the starting point, Dave? It was a bit of a bit of a strange one, especially with the front three, with Huang, Adama, and Jimenez. I thought I thought that was that was the main issue, the front three. I thought obviously goalkeeper Sar picks himself at the moment, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Back four was right and midfield three was right. That's the midfield three I would have gone for. I just thought it obviously offered a bit more physicality, but the front three, I think he got every every single choice wrong there. It was um Pedence has got to start regardless. I think the, the form has been in since Lopetegui's come in and, and the chances he's taking and creating. Um, I think 
when you're spending 50 million pounds euros on a player you've got to give him the nod as well in Cunha regardless and I think he's he's shown some bright sparks and so on um and, and I know Sarabi has only just come in so maybe I understand why he didn't start but I, I personally probably would have started him um but yeah it just didn't it just didn't work whatsoever the whole the, the front three was was disastrous and obviously Lopetegui said at the end of the game he took he took the blame for that so it'll be interesting to see if if those three do start the next game against Liverpool because it sounds like Lopetegui obviously knows they were the wrong decisions in in that game Finn Davies has said there that Lopetegui said it, it was his wrong selection and he takes the blame. Do you think he honestly believes that or do you think he's trying to deflect a bit of the pressure away from the squad? Yeah, it's a good point because I was just going to say, even in our opinions, if Lopetegui said um, he's got it wrong, then he's a far smarter brain than... Well, I don't know, Dave does well with his with his young young lads, but a uh, far smarter football <laughs> brain than us. So if he's saying he's got the lineup wrong, then... Uh, and he probably has, but he could be doing that. I mean, it's early on tactics, isn't it? Get the players on side, but I think he did straight up just get it wrong. And if he could play that game again, if he could do the old football manager and, and quit mid-game, I think you'd go with um, you'd go with a, a different lineup. I think in theory, there's possibly a world in which it works, but it's like say back in the day where it was Nuno tactics, everyone sit in and then launch it over to if you had a Jimenez that could head it on for a, a, a bursting through a Dharma. But we just never saw that. I think once we got on the ball. Um, there was never a pass in behind or anything. It was like we were trying to retain possession, but we weren't good enough to do that. So I think the Lopetegui philosophy, maybe in general or maybe being generous, just that game, it doesn't really set up very well for a, a team like Man City um, to go up against. So maybe we've got to sacrifice games like this um, with you know the wins against Everton, West Ham. This is where we're going to pick up the bread and butter points. And maybe these games have got less of a chance. And that is sad because as Wolves, I think in the Premier League, We've always felt, especially in the Nuno's days, one of the top six teams, you felt like we could really get something. And I really didn't after five minutes of the City game. So it's pretty pretty sad. Mm -hmm. Dave, what did you think of the first half? I, I thought that we stayed alive until the goal, but I don't think by any means we were in the game. It was it was one-way traffic. Just couldn't, like mm. I said, couldn't hold our own piece. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was frustrating. And I think... That was always probably going to be the way it was going to be. I don't think we were ever going to come and attack City or play them off the park. Uh, but still, you want a certain level of a certain level of performance. I just don't think we saw that from from Wolves at all. Um, I think we're a little bit unfortunate with one or two of the referee decisions, which seems to be a boring topic at the moment because we just seem to be bringing it up after every game. Um, I was disappointed, obviously, with the um, the one where was it Huang who went towards goal and got taken down last man and you know and then he was penalised for that which I really didn't understand um, and obviously then Lamina and, and Lopetegui got the bookings for that but yeah I, I think if we if we held on till half time it would have been interesting to see how how well we did in the second half I think it was just frustrating that obviously we conceded just before half time. We'll, we'll come on to the referees because it, it's really starting to uh, really starting to annoy me. But let's talk about that goal in the first goal. It's it's almost like, and I know it's easier said than done. Um, but it's almost like we didn't learn our lessons from the reverse fixture at Molyneux, giving Kevin De Bruyne the freedom mm -hmm. freedom of the park in those areas in and around that eighteen yard. And he was in the eighteen yard, but that corner of the box, who is for me the most accomplished crosser. In, in, in the world at the minute, all the space and time that, that he needed. I think Nunes could have got out to him. I think he got sucked in with Bueno and, and Mares, but it's mm. just it's frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, the most annoying thing is that this goal was probably the like 
the only non-terrible, like as in it's the only yeah. goal where you could sort of hold your hands up, and it's still not great. Um, because if, as you say, I think it was down that same side that early goal um, in the first game down down our left hand side. Um, and if you give Kevin De Bruyne one one of the best passes of the ball, puts in a peach of a cross, and then you've got one of the best finishers there to, and one of the tallest players, tallest strikers as well, to put it away. Um, so it is avoidable, but it's the other two goals that annoyed me the most. But yeah, I, I mean, we defended okay. As as we said, we didn't really feel like we were in the game. Um, but you can't make mistakes. And yeah, if you give, as I say, give it, give the best man the chance to give the ball to the other best man, um, then it's not looking good. But then I think even 1-0, you've kind of held out maybe 2% hope. And then, yeah, it's the goals in the second half that are so avoidable. Mm. Dave, at half-time, front three got hooked. Uh, in favour for, I think it was Martinho, Pedenton and Cunha. Um, do you think that just... Sarabia and Cunha, was it, it was. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then not long after, Wolves are giving away a penalty. Have you, have you seen the penalty back? Do you think it's a bit soft? It's hard to tell off the replay, isn't yeah. it? Like, I thought it was really soft, but then at the same time, there were very little um, players sort of arguing against it, I thought. But it's so hard to tell on the replay. It looks like there's barely any... Any touch on uh, on the city player whatsoever? So, yeah, mm. I think I think they just gave up after that when they got given, and obviously Haaland scored it. But yeah, from, I've seen a replay today as well. It's just so hard to tell whether there was any contact. But I just took took into account the players' reactions and thought, well, yeah, it must be a penalty. Yeah, it was um, it, it was down the far side, wasn't it? So where we were, you couldn't really tell. But um, one of my dad's good friends does like the uh, in-house commentary for Man City, and he said. The, the one in the first half was way more of a penalty that wasn't given on Grealish than the... I the thought that was a pen. I thought, yeah. we were lucky. I thought that yeah. we were lucky that didn't get given, yeah. Yeah. Again, it's soft though, isn't it? Because he's like... He, Grealish has dangled the leg out and gone down like he's been sniped. But you'd, you, you'd almost want your players to do that, wouldn't you? Because I know if, if our player didn't do that, I'd be thinking, what the... You know, you're yeah. doing, like, you, need, like, you need to get down in those situations. But... Let's have a try and relax and talk about the third goal. It's trying to get too heated, and I promise myself I'm not going to get so irate about this day. But let's discuss it. What what is he doing? <laughs> I don't know. It's because it's not even like it was a miss kick. He looked in that direction and passed in that direction, and I, but I don't know who it was to. So I, I really don't know. And. Uh, Morris could have shot, and I think we would have had the players back there to maybe block it. But I think, you know, with City now, they just know if they can give it to Haaland in around the area, he's going to put it in the back of the net. That's exactly what he did. But when you're up against it, against teams like Manchester City, you know it's going to be a tough game. And even if you have a immaculate game and make no mistakes, there's still a chance that you might, might lose to Manchester City. But when you're giving them a helping hand like that... Um, it, you know, even at the home game at Molyneux, like the red card we had against us, you know, you could do, and it was a stupid red card from Nathan Collins. You could do without that sort of stuff. But he, he literally just, he may as well have just like put the ball on the spot and walked out of the way. And because it was just, it was just frustrating. It's just basic crap, which you, we can't, it's got to stop. We've got to make sure we don't have any of those mistakes again. There's there's a ball that can you can go out wide to Bueno though to Kilman to Bueno and the acres of space. Yeah. I think he tried to play the ball into ever I don't know if it's Lamina or one of the midfielders. But like like we've said, the, there was time on the ball. There was there was no need to hesitate, and he's hesitated and played that that, that ball out thing. But I'm surprised it hasn't happened sooner. Thing. 
Yeah, and I think, was it um, Kieran that said on the fans react, it's probably the best situation in which we can hope for this to happen if it was going to happen soon, because you do that in a, like, as it wants you to nil down. I know we have got to worry about goal difference, but this hopefully is the warning sign. Uh, but you feel, as we said, we feel like every time he's on the ball, he's got the, the rick in him. And I think going back to that same point of the general playing out from the back, I didn't mind it against Man City because it's the one where you're going to maybe get the most rewards from because they will chuck players forward. It sort of annoyed me when we were doing it against West Ham because you were literally just leading Antonio across. That was the only player you were taking out of the game with the back four. Um, so maybe it won't happen in those smaller games, but I think it's just a, it's going to highlight a wider point um, that, yeah, if, if we've got a goalkeeper that's not capable, that is, as you say, is looking at a footballer, Riyad Mahrez, and go, right, OK, yeah. you can't you can't then trust that from then on. And it's strange because he's our player of the season last season. And to, to say, I don't think Bruno was massively right launch it long. He still trusted Saar with his feet. So to see the regression is worrying. Hopefully it's just short-term form. But as you say, there's not really an explanation. It's not really, you can't even class it as a mistake. Like, can you class it as a mistake? He's seen well, the guy and passed it straight to him. I mean, I had Mahrez and Haaland in my FPL, so I thought it was, at least it's nice he passed it across to Haaland to get the assist and <laughs> um, get more points if it was going to go in. Um, but no, yeah, yeah, just really frustrating. But as I say, if it's going to happen at any time, at least it's a, a goal that doesn't mean anything. Because if he does that in an important game, mm. yeah, we said it at the start, it feels like it's happened every single game now since Lopetegui's come in. Do you, yeah. do you think there could be... And I don't think, unless they bring another keeper in, there's a case for him to be dropped because I think Sarkis is just as, I won't say, I don't want to say just as bad, but very similar in terms of what their stronger and weaker attributes are. But do you think that may be part of the problem, Dave, that he hasn't got a number two like Ruddy breathing down his neck? Possibly, possibly. But again, I know there's, there's already people been asking today or commenting on our latest video saying, are we going to sign a goalkeeper? Um, and I, I don't think obviously I know it was reported by the Expressing Star earlier this month, but I don't think it will be a a priority for Wolves as much this year. I, has it? I was going to say has it cost us a game? I suppose his mistake versus Liverpool had cost us a game mm. last time, but I think it's it's and and it's difficult when it's Man City because for me this was a free hit and I don't really want to look into it too much. And like Finn said, I'd rather it happen now when we're already two 0 down and the game's done. Then it happened in a couple of weeks' time for argument's sake against Southampton. But and I always remember what a coach said to me years ago, and he goes, "Yes, we could blame a goalkeeper for the odd mistake, but why aren't we putting more blame on the strikers and the attackers for not scoring the goals down the other end of the pitch as well?" So I think it's it, it, you know both things are going to balance themselves out, and I think it's just like. After yesterday, we need to find another scapegoat. We haven't got a striker. We know we all know Raul isn't as the Raul that he used to be. So who else can we blame for something else? Um, and I know it's a crap error by Saar, but we just got to make sure it doesn't happen again. And we all know he's a good goalkeeper. We saw what he was capable of last year. Just got to make sure you know we iron out those mistakes. We've got two weeks to do it. Yeah, I, I, and I think like sometimes scapegoats are maybe formed a little bit unjust, but I feel like you could blame for that because it, it's so. It's so cut and draw. You it's can definitely blame him for that, yeah. Yeah, and 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 I think for the Liverpool one, but I don't, I don't think Sarkic will come in. And I think if maybe Lapetegui rated Sarkic, he probably would have played the Liverpool FA Cup game. Yeah, um, at home, I think I think he would have. But it's a it's a playing out from the back that obviously seems to be a little bit of a problem for him. Thing. What do you think the solution is to that? We. 
we always look best, I feel, when we draw teams onto us and we play out from the back and we we, we play around the press and we can get out get out at teams. Granted, it doesn't happen very often, but that's where we create most of our chances. But then on the flip side, teams know that, OK, Saar isn't great of his feet. As soon as the ball's going to him, trigger the press. If you ever watch Brighton, teams don't press Sanchez because of how good his distribution is. And it takes it, it. It makes you harder to press against. But with us, you've seen it. Every team does it. So, what do you think the answer is? Twelve marks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are right. I think people will start to smell blood now. And it's like, yeah, it's literally if it's if the balls at him go at him. And I think even in the season before, he tried the old Cruyff turn that wouldn't come off, and your heart would be in your mouth. But especially now, there's there's proven yeah evidence that this could bear fruit because. I mean, in that City game, I mean, we can't, we're um, criticising Raul, but even he could have put away a penalty in an open goal. So we didn't make it hard for, for one of the best strikers in the world. And yeah, trying to extend this into a 12 marker, I think I've probably about, covered about four marks there. So I'll try and dig a little bit deeper um, and say your options are you've got a week left in the window. Um, but it does seem like a big upheaval because he is a brilliant shot stopper. You, so one of the other options is, right, can you afford to, as in you only need the pass to Kilman, to Bueno, to Nunes and against Man City, we were out. Don't bother going back to him. It's, I know it's not real tactical talk, but just don't go. It's not worth the risk. You can still play out from the back then then give the, the keeper five touches because every single touch just, it, yeah, it takes a couple of years off my life expectancy, I think. It's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's when, you're, when you are playing out from the back, like you should be using your keeper as almost like an outfield player because it opens up so many more like different passing lanes. And if you say, like, mm. don't give it to him, it makes it so much more difficult for the team to actually to actually play. Yeah, it's 11 um, v 10 goes down to 10 v 10, doesn't it? That's the idea, isn't it, that you have that extra player? Yeah, involved. yeah. It's, yeah. And, it, and it's it's so more beneficial in build-up play to have the kit. And you, you haven't... You haven't have got a keeper like Edison who can launch a ball ninety yards and put it on a sixpence. But there's even there's even sometimes where there's there's a ball on out wide. Well, all he just needs to do is just just to clip it, just to clip it out wide. And even those Dave, more often than not now, they're going out for a throw in, and it's yeah. and it and it's stopping Wolves playing how Lopetegui wants them to play. I feel that's probably why that so early on. You know, that was I think it was Christmas Day the story came out about a goalkeeper. That's probably why. In, and, and Lopetegui's identified it. So I think it's such a difficult position to look at in January because if you want an upgrade on Jose Sai, you're probably going to need to buy somebody's number one and which club are going to sell their number one goalkeeper, you know, mm. especially now, like the last week of January. So I think he's definitely a project for the summer, but, you know, fingers crossed, we'll stay up. Uh, you know, we get by now for the next few months, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the first positions the club look at in the summer. It's it's very difficult to buy a well-rounded goalkeeper as well, quite astutely, because it it divides. If you look at keepers across the Premier League, you've got the top two, probably Edison and Allison, who have got uh, fantastic with the ball at the feet. Uh, ironically, Allison passed it straight to Gwedish, Um and Edison made a mistake <laughs> in the week, but also shot stopping, commanded in the area. But then, as you work work your way down the leagues, you've got the likes of Nick Poe, who are. Unbelievable shot stoppers come on their area, but couldn't kick, can't kick a ball. Mm. That's why I think Newcastle, Newcastle still play quite direct though, don't they as well? Yeah. So I think you can still win games and score goals mm. by by doing that. Yeah. Um, but obviously we just need to find the, the balance between the two. I, I feel. Yeah. But like they are, there's a reason why Edison cost 
a load of money. And there's a reason yeah. why Allison is the most expensive keeper in the world because there's still not that many goalkeepers who are well-rounded who who with that experience. I, I think as we as we as we all get older, that'll change because that's how they've, they've been coached now from early yeah. age. But I still think we're still in that generation now where. It's only probably been the last five or six years where keepers need to be as good as the out with the feet as as, as outfield players do. But Finn, do you do you make a sacrifice with with the playing style? Do you go longer? Because like I said at the start, every time we go long, nothing sticks and we're, we're surrendering possession. It's 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 a real tough one for him to figure out. Yeah, I mean the best option from those kicks is is a Dharma at the moment because the leap he's got on him. I don't know whether that whether I hadn't noticed that in all the he's other years. He's got no but... direction with a header, is he? he can win it. No, yeah. he, doesn't know, he doesn't know where he's going to go. Yeah, it goes out for a throw in, but at least he wins it. But uh, it's just better than better than what we've got the other options. But no, yeah, I think well the the onus in the in the summer was to get a more of a target man forward. Obviously, he was then cropped within forty five minutes. So I think it would have been a lot better having a bloke that was six foot seven up there to to solve that issue. Um, I don't know whether are we going over the top because Saar was a breath of fresh air when he first came in because he would actually come off his line. So we he's got every other aspect really. Like even that's that probably a little rest. bit. Though. There's been a couple yeah. of occasions recently. Again, not really sure if that's tactical or not. But Rudy said when we interviewed him, he's the most laid back bloke I've ever met, and that at yeah. the minute that's showing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't I don't know what the issue is. Maybe I mean. If he does another one in the next three weeks, oh, then again, the window's going to have closed. So that's one of your options gone out the window. I really don't know what to say, but let's just hope it's a it's a dip in form. And once next season, maybe you could still keep Sarah, as you say, and then you have got that option to go direct if Kalajic is going to be the starting striker. I don't know. We've got, there's so many ifs and buts, but if he could just, you can afford, as you say, the best keepers in the world, like Alisson, I forgot he did throw on directly to Guedes a couple of weeks ago and he's known as one of the best in the world. And mm. as you say, it's going to cost a lot. I thinking of options, it's a shame that Bono had such a good World Cup for, for Lopetegui to bring another one of his old um, his old mates in from Sevilla mm. as well because he seems um, rather good, but that price will have gone up as well. So I don't know. It'd be, I'd probably just go cautious now and, and maybe adapt slightly. I'd, but as you say, there's no... We haven't got a tall Cunha's not really. A tall, I don't know. Any you got any options to add myself a few more marks on this? Answer? I I don't even think it's a it's a case of playing a big man up top because you need you need to get players in and around said big yeah, man to win the, And yeah. if you're playing Cunha up top, who will put himself about, it's then if you okay if you don't win the first one, go and win the second one. But if you if you look every time the ball goes up, Dave, there's you could. You could probably build an house between all, all three of the front three and even the, mid, the midfield. Yeah, yeah it's too stretched. So you, you defend, can do that way. Yeah. Defenders are the same as well, like at times. So that that's for me. you got to, something we've got to sort. And like I said earlier, whenever Kilman and Hugo Bueno have got the ball, even if you got, when you're playing three in the midfield, you should have Neves or whoever's playing, uh, you're deploying as the left centre mid, come and support them. Well, you never, see, you never see that as the case, I don't think. So, um, I don't know what the answer, and this is why we pay all oh, the club are paying Yulin Lopetegui the big bucks to try and figure <laughs> out and try and get us playing some half decent football and obviously climb us up the Premier League. Mm. It's uh, I don't want to feel like we're putting the boot in on Sar and all. I mean, like I said, I think yeah. everyone's to blame, really. I think the, the performance wasn't good enough, full stop. And but I think, especially in the, the same week when you got one player making the two same mistakes, and obviously that's what the conversation is going to be about. But mm. when when you're not scoring goals, you know, we, you know, we can blame the defenders, but you know, we need to start blaming the attackers for 
for, for not creating and not scoring goals. Even the central midfielders aren't doing that. Yeah. Well, uh, one one thing we'd like I'd like to add before we we move on to the, the bet match standings and, and and everyone's questions is refereeing. The refereeing for me, uh, David Coote, set the tone because th- that that Kilman challenge is, is a fair challenge. It's never a booking. You've got the Huang one where he's thrown goal, he gets chopped down and uh, and he's, he's impeded against. It's like you said, Dave, earlier, it's every single week we're having the same conversations. But what 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 can we do to what can we do to, to stop this? I was it, it's funny this has come about. Um in Germany the referees quite frequently come out after the game and talk about their decisions. And there was an incident between I think it was Bayern and Leipzig at the weekend where um it may have been Andre Silva who'd um, been chopped down and the referee either gave it the other way or didn't give a foul and he was through on goal. I don't know. And Marco Rosa, the Leipzig manager, was doing his absolute nutting. I think he might have only booked the player didn't send him off. Um, so the referee came out after the game and uh, did the interview with Marco Rosa pretty much next to him while they were doing the interview. And he said, I've not given I've only given a yellow, for example, because it's not a denial of a goal scoring opportunity. And Marco Rose went, Okay, I've, I, 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 you know, thanks for explaining yeah, it. I understand now yeah. why you now make it. And they shook hands. Why can't we have that? Why can't we have that at all? The, I think the referees in this country, I think the media and fans in general will jump on it so much. Words will get twisted or whatever. So I think they've got to be really, really careful with, with what's said. But I think not so much of this season, but I don't know if you've seen for the Club World Championship. Have you seen the referees have got to go on the mic and talk, explain VAR decisions? So that that's going to happen um, very soon, and I think that's something the Premier League will have to bring in very very soon as well. I, it, it happens in so many sports. I think we spoke about it around Christmas time because I'm sure George brought it up about something about the rugby or something and mm. and even when I went to watch the basketball in New York I didn't have a clue what was going up because they kept the referee kept going up to a camera and saying something I was like what's he on about but the, when a coach was challenging a decision the referee would go up to the camera and explain what decision he's challenging and then go back to the camera and explain what decision they've given so just stuff like that just it doesn't necessarily have to be an interview after the game just even in the ground VAR just to make it clear to the fans what what's been given so yeah, we might get upset about it at the time, but once the full-time whistle's gone mm. and once we get home and actually watch it a couple of times, we can, nine times out of ten, hopefully, understand why he's made said decision. Yeah, this incident in Germany, though, someone has probably watched the game. I've not watched the game, so I'm not sure exactly what happened, yes. but Marco Rosa, got the manager, got booked for his protest and he said it at the end of the game, like, apologies, I haven't reacted the way I have and I understand why he's mm. made the decision. And it's like it's squashed and then it's done. But exactly. Lapetegui has now got his his third yellow card in what five games? Like <laughs> he's a very passionate bloke, but and someone's asked a question about um about if he receives any more yellow cards, is there a ban which we'll come on to? But I think I can I can see why he's getting so irate because I feel like ever since he's come in, that the refereeing standards have got worse and worse. And yes, they are a target, but and they are going to make mistakes. But that for me, they're glaringly obvious, and it's not even I've had the benefit of the replay. I, I, I can see it and I'm sat 25 metres away. Yeah, I know it's there's so many levels to it. And I think you are you are right with that that um Bundesliga thing that I think in England we have it's just sort of anonymity. It's like they make the decision and nothing ever about there's that. No I mean, accountability, is there? 
Sorry, I said that. I didn't there's, get a word. There's no, there's no accountability. There's no accountability. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the most we've got was it Mike Dean last season sold um, him talking about a decision to the Sun or something for however much, much. Like, that's ridiculous that we're even in that situation that they can do that. It should be. Yeah, explained. I mean, we get the ridiculous ones that, oh, sorry, the camera work wasn't pointing or whatever. And they try and give, like, try and bullshit, uh, uh, lie their way through. Um, those explanations, but it, even Jared Gillett, that's now in the Premier League, there was that viral video, wasn't there? Oh, how refreshing is this? Hearing him mic'd up, and he hasn't been great really in the Premier League, but it gives a bit like he sounded like a competent referee that knew the rules, was clearing like hearing with the linesman. It all just sort of it feels like then there's no option for anyone to go, oh, it's corrupt, oh, it's this, oh, it's that. It just it, what what have you got to lose? You're going to get less abuse. I mean, if you're competent at your job, which is why it then comes up, are they not competent? Because why can't we hear? What they're saying, oh, Wang's been fouled, he's last man, I'm going to book him and then book Lamina for protest. You know what I mean? It's just so unclear. And mm. I suppose it might be a culture in our end as well, because there's, there is that video of Jude Bellingham in Germany saying, oh, this referee's match fixed before. So maybe we just don't go well with um, <laughs> with referees. I don't know. But there's got to be, there's so many options we've just discussed there and one of them's got to come in soon. Yeah, there's there's there's, there's no accountability, um, no. and I'm not I'm not one of these fans who thinks oh, well, they're match fixing and and they only do it because checking club badge. But it's there, there was there was fouls that City made all yellow cards for City. And I think the first four yellow cards was oh they're never yellow cards, even for, like going the other way. And I think City what, should have had a penalty. Was it one he gave against Rodri as well, which was yeah. never yeah. booking. Yeah, really, really strange. Kill the challenge. It's just, that was never booking either. Yeah, that was really a foul. <laughs> yeah, I thought I didn't think it was either. Yeah, there was, but he set himself when when the referee's making high profile mistakes in the first five ten minutes, and then that one after the wall break as well. Yeah, exactly that. Because then if he makes one wrong booking, then the players are on to him, the manager on to him every single time. He's got a book. You, you mm. set yourself. I know referee. You know, talk about consistency and stuff. But sometimes they can be consistently wrong as well. Yeah. And I think that's what David Coote was yesterday. He had an atrocious performance. He's never been a great referee. Um, but yeah, he's, he's weird. Yeah. His demeanor's quite like trying to find some sort of assertiveness in his life once in he had like as in because he's like, all oh, right, I'm the man. You know, he I don't know what yeah. he saw on the TV cameras there, but everything was come here, come to me, come to me. It's like, mate, relax, just because you've got yeah. a little bit of authority today. Yeah. I know when yeah. you go home, yeah. there's none, but <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was a bit of a stinker on the bet, mate, part as well. Day was the only one out of all of us who managed to take home any kind of money. He won £1.50. Day, what have we spent it on, mate? Well, it's it's <laughs> bought me a little bit, bought me a half of a brick for the extension, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I, I'm sure bricks are more than £3 each as well, so probably not even that. God knows, mate. God yeah. knows. Well, big shouts to Parks, you know, who won it by one point with 81 and a half points, which is a huge tally. I know it was across two games, but he won £90. But I actually had 66.5 points. And I've, I don't think I've ever been part of a game where that kind of total hasn't landed me some money and I was way off. But I think the problem was that everyone had Captain Harlan, Dave. You needed to. Yeah, mm. I had Captain Harlan. My issue, I had. Uh, I went with Lamina midfield as well. I think if I went all Brentford City, um, I would have had a decent chance. But yeah, I went Lamina midfield. I had faith that obviously you'd get some more tackles and so on. When he got the book in and that didn't really help me. But yeah, half, half decent. It's not too bad. Yeah, there's actually no bet, mate. Wolves pot uh, for any of the, uh, obviously no fixtures next week. But if you still want to have a go, there's going to be loads of other pots there. 
Um, and if you are thinking of signing up and you, you're not a customer already, you can use code TW10 and you'll resend, you'll receive £10 in free bets once you've placed your first paid pot rather than £5 in free bets. So if you want to have a go, sign up um, and let us know how you get on. And of course, with all that, please gamble away. Right then, lads, moving on to the questions. And there's a load of questions who have been sent in from our fans on Twitter. So big fans to those who have sent them in. Um, Rob has said, four different head coaches. What is the real reason why we are painfully blunt, blunt in front of goal? And Freudian slit there, nearly came out. <laughs> I assume including Steve Davis in that as well, then, if you're saying four. I think I think it's a striker. I think that's a big a big issue. You know, whenever we, when we had Raul uh, firing on all cylinders early days under Nuno, we were absolutely fine. I think that big, big injury cost us. And we haven't we haven't had a proper number nine since we've obviously had Fabio who's obviously um you know not ready. Uh William Joe say I thought it was a decent signing when we got him, but it was turned out to be an absolute disaster. And obviously Diego Costa's just probably passed it. So I think you know, Cunha I, I like it as a player, Guedes obviously I like, but those two players were they did we necessarily need to bring them in? You know, imagine we had the 30 million or the 50 million and, and chuck that on a proper number nine. I think that's the big issue. And I'm starting to realize that, especially over the last few days, if we can get a decent number nine in over the last week, we'll have a much, much better chance of staying in the Premier League. Don't think we're going to get one, though, do you? Um, I, don't, I don't think we will, but I'd love to see him panic and try and get somebody in. But I think that is that's one of the biggest issues why we're not scoring enough goals. I think I, the, I know um, creativity is an yeah. issue as well, but when you haven't got the number nine, you're not going to put the chances away. Yeah, I think Antonio probably would have been a, a, a sensible sh- And I know obviously they've been linked with him and Wolves have had a long-standing interest in him for quite some time. But I thought that because obviously the, the signings that Antonio could have been an option, but now Ing- Ings is out for a few weeks. I don't think that's going to be an option. But I really... And I, I watched him at the weekend and I thought it was a little bit... Um, Inconsistent and a little bit, I don't know, a little bit rash or not rash. I'm trying raw. That's what I'm looking for. But Jokeres, like he won't cost, mm. he won't cost the earth, and he didn't score at the weekend, but he, he was he was integral in the build-up play. But he's just he, he's spinning in behind. He, he's coming short. He's like he, he looks like a proper old-fashioned number nine. I don't think he's that that great. He's back to goal, but even like a punt on him, he's only going to cost you twelve or fifteen million pound. Dave, is it worth going and have a go? He's still young, still got time to develop. I, th- I think so. I think uh, I, I was going to bring him up to be fair because I know you'd seen him uh, during the week and I've watched little yeah. bits of him. Um, and he's in good form as well. I think that's a big a big bonus. I think Antonio, yeah, would be a good player to bring in, but this season's not been particularly great, not really finding the net. Jokeres would be a really interesting one, a market that we haven't really delved into enough. Um, and again, don't want to keep bringing it up, but worst case scenario, if we, you know, we dip down, I think he's somebody that would stay with you next year as well as, as a number nine, obviously proven in that division. He reminded me of like baby Raul when he first come to Wolves, like got a bit of everything quite quick, but just like really agile and dynamic could come mm. short, could try and hold the ball up, could get on the end of it, could spin in behind. I, I, he went past Max Ahrens, who is, you know, fairly quick. Like he wasn't even there, he just burst past him, and like that's what you, I think that's what we're crying out for. And even if what, how much would he cost? 15 million, 20 million tops. If he doesn't do as well, and 
doesn't doesn't really perform. There's going to be a championship club who's willing to spend 12 or 15 million pounds on him. So yes, you're going to lose a bit of money, but for me, it's the, the risk is minimal, Dave. Yeah, I, I think it'd be interesting. Obviously, I think now we're slightly later in the window. It probably costs that little bit more for for commentary to obviously make it worth selling. I think now this is over the next day or so is the perfect time. I say perfect time, but the right time if you want to going to try and get somebody in because you're giving clubs enough time to try and get a replacement in. But um, yeah, we we need somebody. We need a number nine. I think that's a that's the main thing. And I think uh, if you say worst case scenario, fifteen million for Yokerez, I don't think you're far away. I, I don't think that would be a bad a bad signing. But obviously, there's there's plenty out there. But I think that's just a decent market. Even I don't know what his goal scoring record was like, but I assume it's not as good as it as it was last year. But Brereton Diaz. Coming towards the end of his deal, probably not going to sign it. But Blackburn, I think you get him at a decent price as well. I think he's um, in talks with. Did I, was it Villarreal? You said or something like that. Uh, Villarreal, Villarreal, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is it's a very strange move, but speaks Spanish, doesn't he? So maybe that's a. Uh, Maybe that, that's what it is. He's only 23, which I can't believe. He seems to have been around for years. Man. Yeah, when was at Forest, he's got, yeah. I think he was like 16, 17 now when he broke through, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, yeah and no. didn't have the Diaz part. Ben Brayton, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I suppose if we if we bring someone in though for next season, if you, as in not for next season, but when you get to next season, if you've got Kaladzic back, you've got Raul, Fabio. Yeah, um, yeah, I got off on a go. two year as well. So, yes, yeah, so you got a lot if if everyone was fit. But no, I think the main thing is I think people see that four four two looks mostly promising, doesn't it? Cunha is that second striker because the balls that he's played for to put on a plate for people have been really, really promising. You've then got Sarabia that's, that's got a lot of goals in, under his belt last season. So there are goals there and there's promising. I think if you could just bring it all together with a, with a new number nine, so I think that's why people are looking at it. But I, I think Kunyu could play as a number down. nine. I think Kunyu could play as a number nine. But it's yeah. again, it's uh, they're such isolated figures at front three slash four. Like you need to, you, you, you've seen what it can be like when we have those short, sharp passes like the, mm. the the forest goal and it works because we're almost mm. all in that kind of area a lot of a lot of the goals that we can see come from one twos in and around the corner of the box and they're about create a chance Dave, can you remember the last time we ever we we, we got a, a an overload out wide or something it's just it just doesn't it doesn't happen no mm. no it doesn't it doesn't so there's areas that we need to look at and uh being tra- i know the Sarab- Sarabi is probably the replacement for Guedes, but, but we looked still- all right I thought he looked yeah, all right. He had a good, good chance as well. Um, came to him at the, at the back post. Even Pedence came on and just changed things straight away. I think he had a chip shot. I probably would have gone for power. Um, but yeah, tried to be cheeky and dink Edison. But we got we got players there. We got creativity there. I think I'd be very surprised if the front three for Liverpool wasn't Sarabia, uh, Sarabia Cunha and Pedence. Mm. Um, I, I'd probably stick with the rest of the team. I think the midfield three is a, a decent shout. But yeah, Obviously, a lot could change, but the window will be shut by the top by the next game. So, we might still have one, one or two more players available for selection. Various people have asked, unless we bring a striker, how do we realistically, how, how do we have a realistic chance of staying up? What do you reckon, Finn? Dave? I, I suppose, sorry, I, I uh, touched on it a bit there with saying that I think we probably still could with the goals that you'd hopefully get from Sarabia Cunha. Like, you've got players that do well. Maybe more Sarabi and Acuna, but do have a little bit of a goal record because I think at the start of the season we had a team that hadn't scored more than five goals, had they each um, in the season before? I think Pedence and Neves just about touching that. So I probably still back us, but as I say, I think 
for the best chance, I do really like that sort of four four two four triple two shape. Um, and if you knit that all together with a new strike, I think I'd be looking more mid table. Whereas I think it will be a bit of a scrap if we if we can't find the the goals from elsewhere as well. So we do have a chance of staying up without one, as I've I've just said. But I would like to just see it sort of shored up for the sake. Like we've splashed a bit of money about, haven't we? So for the sake of one extra signing and, and the guaranteed Premier League money. I think you could risk it on a, on a player like you'd mentioned with the, the Coventry guys. It's a small small amount, isn't it, if you're going to then get the money that comes with staying up. Yeah. 12, I, I, 12 goals as well in halfway point. If you score 24 goals, you're probably going to be going down, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, I've not posted the stat anywhere, but um, <laughs> no team has stayed up at this stage of the season when they've scored only 12 goals. Um, you know, any team that's only scored 12 goals at this stage of the season has been relegated. So that that is obviously a concern. So we've got to... You know, we never scored a lot of goals last season, but the main thing for Wolves was that we weren't conceding a lot of goals, so we were grinding out results, where it's the opposite this year. We can't score when we're still conceding a lot of goals. Um, so that's something that we need to, you know, need to look at and consider. And like Finn said, that, that's what I was thinking earlier. Yeah, Fosa might have to put their hand in their pocket again, but I, I don't think they'd mind spending an extra 10, 15 million quid to bring somebody in if it's going to help us, you know, stay up. I know it doesn't guarantee survival, but it will give us a long way there. And that's why I know a lot of people, and you know, with the Danny Ings thing, people are like, hey, I told you we shouldn't have signed Danny Ings. But at the same time, I think it's just the intent that West Ham have gone out there. It's not necessarily the right striker, but gone out there to try and improve their front line. That's what we need to see Wolves doing a little bit more of. Matt Wolf has asked, does the experiment need to stop now? Time to commit to an 11 and run with it. Yeah, I suppose so. I think I think obviously it's still so early days for Lopetegui. He doesn't know his strongest eleven, and I think as bad as it sounds, our, t- our squad now is quite big. Um, mm. We've got a lot, all at least you know, a lot of strength and depth. So he does need to try and find his strongest eleven ASAP. But we've seen different formations. We've seen three in the middle. We've seen four two three one. We've seen four four two. We've seen five at the back. From from Liverpool onwards, or at least Southampton onwards, he needs to find a formation he likes and he needs to find an 11 that can settle and fast, whether that be dropping Kilman and bringing Dawson in or whatever. Like he, he needs to he needs to sort that out sooner rather than later. I think that will help. Josh has asked any update on Joao Gomez. I know, Dave, you <laughs> just put something out on um, on the socials. Yeah, there's been something just, just out uh, from uh, UOL, which is a Brazilian, uh, pretty big... Uh, uh, outlet out, out there and basically saying that he's still insisting on joining Wolves. I think somebody had even messaged his barber today uh, because his barber had put a story out about him going. So when a message his barber and he said, yeah, he's dreaming he's still to join Wolves. So um, it, it said, I know, it said that uh, <laughs> Flamengo are starting to realise that they're going to have to take his decision into account as well. So that, that sort of does bode well. But it said their decision will be made today, so I'm assuming we'll still be talking about it on next week's pod. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he'll sign. Yeah, I, I've got a feeling he'll, he will sign. Well. he'll sign. He'll sign. He'll sign. He'll sign. Free Gomez. It'll be a good announcement video, to be fair. I'll be very disappointed mm. if that don't get included. Yeah. yeah, well, the club have already had semi-announced it, didn't they, with the Lamina video? Because they had the, yeah. the talks. Well, Alex Cook reading that, saying Wolves are close to signing. It was twice, which... wasn't it? Because they were scrolling on the Sky Sports app and it come up as well. Yeah. I, you yeah. know what, though? I don't... I don't blame the club with this because obviously Flamengo have moved the goalposts and Wolves can't be... Everyone says oh, it's only a, it's only a couple of million quid. It's only a million quid, but I, I get that. But 
if you're known uh, to just wilt every time someone says, yeah, we agree to fee, and they say, actually, no, we want an extra million. It sets a precedent, doesn't it, Finn? Where mm. clubs know they can take you for a bit of a ride and that needs to be stamped out. And it might be missing out on a player and I know perhaps he might not be in a position to do that, but it, I, I completely understand the club stance on this. Yeah, it's um. I think the similar thing happened. This is going back a bit now, but with Danny Loder from Reading at the last second, they tried to yeah. get a little bit more, and Wolves said no. And I am going in. Uh, I'm in, I'm between two minds. With oh, I'll just give him the extra million, but it, as you say, it does set a a precedent. So if we don't get him, there will be fans, and in the back of my mind, I'll be going, oh, why didn't we just cough up the extra million? But as you say, for future dealings, I think you're more likely going to find it with like the South American clubs are more famous for for things like this, aren't they? And and hopefully that wouldn't happen elsewhere and I don't think Danny Lode has gone on to do much so if we do walk well, away and it's not right for us maybe it's um it's a great it's throw right. about that he's actually called Danny Namasso now Finn. Mm. oh he is isn't he yeah I saw him football manager yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, he's um obviously yeah yeah he's uh played yeah. 10 league games this season not scored a goal but scored two and three in the cup oh fit right played two then. Champions League games as well uh, <laughs> yeah but he represents Cameroon at an international level now you do know that if we if we don't sign him, he'll become the next Enzo Fernandez, and if we do sign him, he'll become the next Segundo Castillo. There's yeah. absolutely <laughs> Egget Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you just know it's going to happen. It's just that look. Yeah. But I think he'll sign, and it's good to see and nice to feel that there's a player who who desperately wants to come and play for the club and is itching to. And I get it's more so I think to do with the Premier League rather than the club, but it's still good to have him. I think it might. You know, bring a bring a bit of the good times back to Molyneux if he if he starts and plays, he could be that new court figure. We don't have many of those at Molyneux still. The atmosphere has been that pretty well. It's been awful. Mm. Let's not let's not lie. So, mm. hopefully, they can get that over the line, and uh, Joao Gomez can uh, finally be freed. Amar's music show has asked since Lapetegi's come in, only Kilman has received more yellow cards than himself. Kilman's got four, Lapetegi's got three. The managers get a ban after a certain amount of yellows. Is this a problem for us that Lapategi seems to pick up so many yellows? So just on um, just on the manager yellow cards, so they do actually receive a ban. So if a manager receives four yellow cards over the course of a season, so Lapategi's one booking away from a one-game touchline ban. If he gets eight <laughs> yellow cards, it's a two-match ban. And if he gets 16 yellows, which I wouldn't put it past him, um, it's an FA misconduct hearing. And of course, obviously, if a second yellows card given to a manager during a game, then I'll be asked to leave the technical area, which shouldn't be a problem for Lopetegui because he doesn't spend any time in it. But is um <laughs> is Dave, is it becoming a bit of a problem that he's picking up all these yellows? Um I think they're all warranted, to be honest. I think the one was was it it's Liverpool, the one against City yesterday was a farce. What what was the first one? Was it Everton, was it or United? I can't remember. I can't remember, but yeah, yeah. I think they're all warranted, to be honest. I, I always see him in his technical area, Matt. No, he's very much like Arteta, mate. He's like... <laughs> oh, whenever, <laughs> I, whenever I always find yeah, him in his technical he loves area, it. I think. He loves it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But no, um, yeah, I I, I, I thought it was it would be five. But yeah, I, I didn't know those rules on the on the bookings, to be fair. So, I don't get... Surely a manager's never got eight yellows in one season, <laughs> have they? So, I mean, I five. Know. I mean, four, then, yeah. But yeah, that'd be mad. Imagine well, like it happens like before Feb, like a touch going back. That would be like mad. Yeah. There's there's, a, there's a theory that when and with Arteta as well that he comes out of his technical area that much because it's almost like if they're trying to mount an attack down that same wing that that they're on, like the opposition, 
then it's and it's like almost like it feels like the pitch is like scrolls in and it's like it can't play out there. Like it's just oh, a theory okay. that's been been apparently yeah. that that's one of the reasons why he does it so much as well. Um, Imagine that at West Ham though, when the the area is about two hundred yards from huge, the huge, isn't it? But he'd be clocking some steps up out as you learn. Um, next question is from Mark Davis and may or may not be the same Mark Davis who used to play for Wolves. I'd imagine not. Um, what a wasted talent he was. Such a good footballer. Anyway, pod. yeah, get him on the pod. If you could add one Wolves striker from the last 20 years to this squad, who would it be? You can't take Prime Jimenez. Probably of note that Steve Ball wasn't in the last 20 years, was he? <laughs> oh, good shout. He wasn't, was he? So, um, I know who I'm taking. You can't look past Yannick Sagbo, can you really? Oh, uh, no, um, Kenny Miller, this level, Kenny Miller, Stephen Fletcher, mate. It's the only right answer. Oh, Fletcher. Yeah, that's mm. right. You're right, actually. Yeah, Fletcher, Omri Kamara, possibly. He was, he was good, good player. I think Ebacks Blake's some, someone everyone's thinking, but the top level never really did it, did he? No, I think nah, Stephen Fletcher is a great shout. He used to hit Fletcher double figures quite regularly. So good. He was so in the air good. as well. You talk about class in the air on, on the floor. What a baller, yeah. man. Head's gone, man. Head's yeah. gone. Head's <laughs> gone. What about you, Finn? All the good ones are gone there, but I mean, you've got Benicophobi maybe that reached the Prem to a maybe arguably decent level. I don't think he did much at Bournemouth, but I think you've taken all the good ones there. I was going to give Sagbo a shout. Bless him. Fletcher hit 12, oh no, yeah, 12 goals in both his wall seasons. 12 in 34 in both seasons. And even Burnley the year before, he got 12 as well. Because Doyle, start, yeah. like, obviously Doyle was a good footballer, but I think he did really well at Reading that one season in terms of goal getting. But after that, he was very much like seven or eight, which, I mean, I'd snap your hand off for something like that mm. right now. But different kind of player, wasn't he? Yeah. Doyle, Doyle was a bit of a workhorse, never a goal scorer, but someone's... Yeah. Off the ball is really good. Never, I've never seen a bloke with a magnetic chest like him. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Every time, it doesn't matter who's around him, he could bring the ball out of the sky. He's so good. Um, Trash Wax Records has asked, if Dawson is our only defensive signing, is it enough? Centre-backs, I think so. I think maybe you could squeeze another right back. But, you know, you've got Keanu Hoover coming back now, so you don't need to worry. we don't need to oh, worry about that. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think a right back would have been hot okay, but I think Samedo's, you know, woken up a little bit now. I think wan would have been the one, but obviously he's starting to play okay for United as well. Um, so I, I think it's okay for now. I think it's all right. What about you, Finn? Do you think Dawson's enough for defensive reinforcements? Yeah, as Dave said, there was the... the... A lot so I suppose Lamptey hasn't um that was a recent one as well, even since Tomato's played well. But yeah, there was, there was uh, talks any... of a nah, there was talks of a right back and that seems to have dampened down and it seemed like we only wanted one centre back. It was between Dawson or Felipe, and I'm, I'm probably happier with, with Dawson, which uh, when Felipe is like Champions League centre back, I know it sounds strange, but just in the situation and that allows Mosquera to reportedly go out on loan as well. So I think that works all round. And I think I saw someone put on Twitter, Dawson's got fifty two leagues. In his career, it's like it's mad for a centre back. So maybe if you can chip in with a few goals, nineteen Premier League goals he's got, hasn't he? Is he? I I mean, don't believe he was at West Brom a long time. Yeah, he was at West Brom for seven years, weren't he? I mean, has he got maybe fourteen? Take away his two goals in the Championship, he got twelve goals for Albion. Uh, He's had he's had joint third highest Premier League goal scorer. 
We've got Costa <laughs> and Jimenez. Him and Neves have both got 19. And the Europa League team of the year last year. Yeah, you got a few, think, In terms of the boxing exercise, so what they were after is pretty perfect. Mm. English, centre-half, leader, Premier League experience. Slow, cumbersome. But now I think I think it's a really astute piece of business. I would have liked to have seen Felipe as well, and I think a lot of perhaps the Wolverhampton Wanderers Yummy Mummy Facebook group would probably be gutted as well because he's <laughs> devilishly handsome, isn't he? Yeah, single dingles. <laughs> Who remembers that? But yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's enough for me. Uh, and finally, before. We close. We had um, a message from the Wolves Women podcast to say that there's a big game coming up this Sunday with Wolves not playing. Wolves Women take on Super League opposition in West Ham United in the FA Cup. Great to see as many Wolves fans at New Books heading Telford. Two o'clock kickoff. Um, tickets available on the AFC Telford website. So if you are looking for some football to go and watch, and you need your Wolves fixed, then get down to the New Books head on Sunday. Two o'clock kickoff to watch Wolves Women versus West Ham United. Chaps, it's been an absolute pleasure as as usual. Um, I've enjoyed that. I feel like we've chewed the fat quite a lot and been quite quite analytical. It's usually um usually a barrel of laughs, but today it's, I feel like we've got a little bit off our chest. We've got a little bit of our chest, but we'll be back. Um, maybe not next week. But we might be back with a stream, Dave. Yeah, I mean, oh, when yeah. is deadline day next or next Tuesday? Tuesday yeah, yeah, so probably do a couple of hours, probably not as long as our normal ones because they do tend to, to go on and on. But yeah, <laughs> might might do a couple of hours up till the deadline next Tuesday. Um, so yeah, that'll that'll pretty much fill the podcast fix for next week. Yeah, mm. yeah, fantastic. And don't forget, of course, if you are willing to join the bet mate and, and come and play with us, guys, use code TW10 if you're a new customer and you'll receive ten pound in free bets once you've played your first paid pot. No Wolves fix this weekend because I don't play, but there'll be plenty of others for you to get your teeth stuck into and, of course, be gamble aware. Dave, where can people find you, should they wish, and any update on your Twitter account? <laughs> no update on the Twitter. So, I mean, you can follow me over there, but I won't be tweeting um, as of right now. Still suspended by Twitter, but that's at Dave as a party on there and Instagram. And, uh, yeah, Dave as a party on the old LinkedIn. I bet people who, who don't listen to the podcast think you're dead. I know. I... I, I <laughs> I hope that the DMs are on there because obviously, you know, you were on a Man City podcast last week and mm. he said he tried to get in contact with me and obviously couldn't. I normally do, and it, it's mad really, I normally do like religiously a preview with another West Ham channel and I was going to message him about the Craig Dawson video because I thought, oh, I bet they feel bad that I never did anything from last week when we played them. But they don't follow Talking Wolves, so I couldn't, fo- I couldn't DM them. Um, so I'm assuming they'll have DM me. I normally get DMs off random people sending me transfer rumors every hour. Mm. So I'm gonna have about 100 DMs, I think, when I, when I get the account back. But I don't know if Twitter just do it in batches. I've I've searched it in all sorts. Someone said just keep emailing them, but uh, I don't know. Oh oh, they've they've actually just tweet. They just email me. What they said? <gasps> Let's go. Here we go. Breaking news. Please check your inbox for an email with, from Twitter with instructions on how to confirm your email address. We're back. I think we're back live on the podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Do it right now, mate. Let's get it. Get confirm your email. We'll stay on. We'll stay on the line. This is info.twitter.com. Right. We're just going to quickly log in. Username. Go on then. Dave's password. Password. (laughs) Here we go. Could could this be? This is this is honestly. This is why I love podcast. This is what happened last time, though. Should we? Oh, the confirmation code's coming through. I think it's done, lads. 
I mean, I'm sure it's back. I'm not going to wait too long, but yeah, we're back on Twitter. No, we want to wait. Finn, you got much fun this week, mate? (laughs) Finn, do your outro. Let me get the code out of my email. Okay, yeah, yeah, don't worry. This is going to be a big anti-climax when there's two DMs as well, but I hope there's loads there for you, mate. Um, Not enough women. (laughs) um, Finners on everything, F-I-N-E-R-R-Z. No, I'm going to go and watch the the last of us now. Have Have a nice evening. I suppose it's a break from football at the weekend, so I'll try and fill that with something, the big void that it will be. Um, and I might tweet Dave all weekend if he's got it back, just to do something. Yeah, well, if you want some... password, folks. Yeah, I mean, if you want something to do, uh, Dave will probably need an extra pair of hands getting through all his fan mail and DMs. So <laughs> yeah. if you want to uh, <laughs> help him out. What's The Last of Us like? I've seen a lot of people watch that. Um, you said The Last of Us, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, well, I've um, obviously I've I played the game um, and literally brought me to tears. Like, uh, what would I have been like 16? And it honestly was unbelievable. Um, So it's a bit weird watching something that you know how it's going to end, whether they'll divert away, but I'm watching it with my parents. um, So I'm going to sort of like living it through them. But although it was really scary, like the first episode, but yeah, I can't recommend enough. I think it was 100% on Rotten Tomatoes for a while. So going down very, very well. Um, uh, Yeah, yeah. Really good. I re- good. I'd recommend Sky Atlantic nine o'clock. We should get sponsored, really. But Dave, where can people find you? Should they wish? At Dave of the party on Twitter. I'm back. <laughs> it's getting eighteen, 18 different DMs. So it's like, it's oh, is that it? Yeah, it's like that's not. Um, and I don't know how many notifications. It says twenty plus. So Dave, you need to twenty one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna. No, I'm gonna put the Undertaker gif. <laughs> Did that West Ham fan channel message you? No, they didn't. So fuck nah. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that's the best news I've had all week. Dave's finally back on Twitter. He's been he's been itching to tweet his thoughts and feelings off the Talking Wolves account, but as, oh, as, as, I've as, as for, trouble a couple of times. So yeah, for for better of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Dave, where can people find you? Dave has a party everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, I'm yeah, back. Everywhere. So make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's back. What was that Bobby Bobby Zamora? I'm back. I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. I might get that. I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm M Cooper Wright on Twitter, Matt Cooper Bites on YouTube and Twitter. And we are talking wolves across all good social media platforms are on there, even TikTok at Talking Wolves. Let us know in the uh, comments down below if you've enjoyed the video and, and like it if you have. Subscribe if you know. And until next time, um, enjoy yourself, take care, and enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs>